Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at Supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736. Good evening, friends. Uh, once again, not welcome back. Just welcome to the Friday Form Panel. I had the um, I had the music turned up too loud just then. I think I may have perforated an eardra, which is going to be a problem. This is the Friday Form Panel. Are you with us, Dan? Yeah, hello. Good morning oh, to you, Jason. It's been, it's been a bit of a miracle. The uh, the boys were out there just panicking, wondering whether they can get the OB line up and going. But it sounds like they've pulled off a miracle. It's day five of Breeders' Week, and right at the end of the show today, I'll be having a chat, hopefully, with Timmy Tietrick, which will be an absolute pleasure. But we've got a big job ahead of us to try and find winners for 10 races at Tabcourt Park, Melton, tomorrow. How confident are you, Dan? <laughs> um. I'm confident that we will give ourselves and all of our listeners a good run for their money. How's that? Have you, do you think you've extracted some value? Look, the first race, there, surely there is only value, but do you think you've extracted some value out of the car? Well, it's funny. A lot of the times when you're doing the form, and you'll appreciate this, um, you, you're doing it um, uh, yourself and you're almost coming uh your mind is coming around the prices that you you have because a lot of the markets do not come up particularly outside the the feature races um and it, when, when they come up it's very late and you can get a, a decent surprise about something you fancy or be grossly disappointed in the price that's offered on something that that you may have uh, found as well so some of the races tomorrow um uh, i'm fresh on seeing the odds about so i'll be um Keeping the the surprises uh, fresh as we go along through throughout the program, but uh, look, I, there is one I'm confident about in the last. Again, it was just oh. a bit under the price I thought it might be. I just quickly had a squeeze and thought, oh, you know, uh, but it might get out, and that's what often happens. Even though we liked them, we found last week with El Camino. Uh, I said at the time, two dollars is good, you know, is my good thing, but it'll get out, and it did. I think you could get two fifty, two sixty. So, don't give up just yet. Gee, that was um, that was very easy money, wasn't it? Actually, when I went through last week, we came up with a few gems. It was it wasn't an easy night. It was a bit of a roller coaster ride, as it can be at headquarters, Dan. But there were a few gems, and you absolutely declared El Camino. I was kind of expecting them to launch into it late, but it never happened. But he won one hundred percent in the manner that you would have expected. Yeah, look, he. I said I think he's a pretty good horse, and I think we all agree now that uh, that he is. And and the horse that you mentioned at odds, um, Rock and Roll Gig, Gig ran a terrific race, didn't it? And Cronella paid pretty well. And I think uh, is Rock and Roll Gig. It's in at Wagga, I think today. It's it's. I definitely saw it in somewhere. So a couple of those two year olds are running. Uh, it must be Wagga today. Um, uh, the other one that drew the pole position is in a different race also. Um, so keep an eye out for them, Jason. Yeah, and there was, yeah, Enchanted's tried a place and uh, and even Ruby Wingate. So there was something there. Very and we'll, good. And we'll see what we can do today. Race one on the program. 
Uh, now, he was luckless last week, Arden Roanoke. So I, or Arden Roanoke. So I've, uh, I've been sort of mesmerised week in, week out, how short he comes up. I've got a weird feeling here. Normally, you would think 2,240 metres. I mean, he's a lead and hand up horse regardless. He's more likely to do that over a middle trip. But there, there's nobody that I can find for him to hand up to once he does find the front here, Dan. Yeah, look, I agree with you. I, I looked at that race uh, trying to find the horse that um, uh, Nathan Jack might be comfortable handing up to. And I'm not saying they are not there, but I couldn't be uh, confident on which horse that it might be. Um, I, I've tipped Balenciago thinking that he will get the good run. I mean, he was pretty solid last week and again with a good draw. And even now at around the $10, I thought he was worth a place, $3.10 a place. And he's going well and he needs that good gate. So um, if Arden Roanoke does hold up and lead, um, and look, they only have to come out of the gate at a tempo which is not over the top. And it's unlikely Arden Roanoke's going to be restrained to hand up to, uh, let's say, uh, Major Watson or a Sassiola. Something mm. would really have to have a dig early to either get to the pegs first um, or uh, want to take on Arden Roanoke in the early part. So I thought Balenciago would get a good enough run to be a, a strong each-way chance. Um, with uh, Arden Roanoke and our classy reactor open up, I, I saw it at $14 and I thought, well, gee, you're going to get a peg line run if and it's the place to be. You're, you're a decent chance, a dollar a win, $4 a place type ratio. So if um, it, it could be a peg race. Uh, it often is the first, isn't it, Jay? So one, four, eight. And what Stanley got uh, on the strength of his last win, it was a huge win. It was good to see him get up. But the uh, Tyndale Stable, they're, uh, they're flying at the moment. They've got everything working really well. A lot of their horses that are non-winners are winning, let alone the horses that know how to win. So um, I think he's got to go into the mix as well. All right. I'm, uh, I'm going a leap of faith here. So... Sassiola has been good to me in the past under these sort of circumstances. Balenciago begins okay. I reckon once upon a rainbow, he began a little bit better than he does now. Now, whether they don't use him as often, he's up for some conjecture. I reckon Sassiola can get across and find the front here and then hand up to Arden Roanoke and from behind the leader. So here's some weird stats. You wouldn't believe this. 147 starts for Sassiola on 34 occasions. She's landed the trail in transit, and this is a record. Seven wins and 17 placings, as opposed to the other 113 runs, only 10 wins and 25 placings. So this is where she lives. It is very, very, very dependent on what happens in the formative furlong of the race. But if she's able to get across Balenciago, then Arden Roanoke leads, and he doesn't hand up. So there's a few things we need to rely upon, which is why we need to take the $9 and two ninety now and probably nothing too much shorter than that. I think she can win, and I've found her under similar circumstances previously. I'm not a huge fan of Arden Roanoke's, but I do think this is a really suitable assignment for him. If he finds a front, I just can't find not only the horse that he would hand up to, but even the enforcer, the pressure horse that would cause trouble. Number eight, our classy reactor. I'm with you, Dan. I think that um, nice run. I don't know how far back along the pylons that he gets, but he's going well, and he, uh, he stormed home last time out. And number 11, Lombo Heaven, who was backed to the exclusion last start, and um, that was on the basis that he would find the front, and he did it on a no second line draw and all the rest. But you just wonder when you go back through his interstate form whether he's not good enough regardless. But have a look at the market. You don't often see this, but this is what race one at Melton's all about, Dan. 3.30 for the favourite. I actually, my favourite was 5.50 in the market. What was yours? Uh, what did I come up with here? I have got, uh, I got Balenciago at, 
Yeah, it's yeah. it's like a Swindon uh, greyhound market. This is quite unbelievable, and nearly every horse has a chance. I'll be playing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wide, I reckon, in the first leg of the early quaddy. Uh, what a combo, Dan and Bonza. Let's launch. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. It is a good combo. You're dead right, Toddy. We'll go for a break on the Friday form panel, and when we return, we'll have a squeeze at race two on the program at Tabcorp Park, Melton. Victorian Harness HQ tomorrow night. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. A little bit of Dua Lipa. Um, welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. I don't know where, where I've been this morning. Didn't know that the... Um the Queen had passed, so that's um, that's very sad news at the age of 96. Right, Friday form panel, we continue race two. There's a couple of pseudo-match races tomorrow night, I reckon. Well, that might be being a little bit disrespectful to just believe in this second affair. Now, I, I'm i going to try and read your mind down. I reckon you're, I reckon you're pretty well sold on Olavici. Am I right or wrong? Oh, look, no doubt. Yep, he's, um, he's not just a good horse, and he's not just a good horse in form. Um, I, I think he's still progressive enough that... Um, He's even got further improvement in him, which is both uh, um, uh, ex- exciting and, and scary, I think, for the opposition. Um, so, yep, I, no doubt at all. Tick that box. He was one of those horses that appealed to me early on. I just liked the way he picked up his speed. He's got that lovely trotting cadence. He gets around turns like a greyhound. Like for a trotter, often you'll see them get into a turn and maybe not balance as well. He seems to go quicker in and out of a turn and... He's still on the up, but the challenge here is uh, inside the back row against some very good horses. This is a really good race because mm. of the barrier draws. There's no doubt about it. And I, um, so I went back through because Olavici's been leading uh, at his last three wins in this preparation. And I was like, well, I need to recall now. Eh? Can, can you be as effective off the speed? And he can be. He's one in the breeze. He's one from yeah. um, you know the pylons three back, four back. He's done it all, but. Having said that, I've just seen this movie a lot of times, Dan, where you've got two similarly talented horses. And even if we concede, or, or I concede here, that Olavici is a better horse than Mufasa Metro, which I'm, I'm not totally convinced of personally, but even if I concede that, Mufasa Metro seems very, very likely to find the front. I know he's first up from a break, but he has trialled well. He's a real natural athlete, I think. I think he's a short middle trip horse. He runs along... In weird, in in a weird way, it's almost going back to that that uh, that minute man free for all between Torrid Saint and uh, Lock and Varat, where one horse is in front and able to dictate terms, roll at his convenience, and then the other one has to chase, and that's the reason that I'm going with Mufasa Metro on top. But I'm near certain you're going the other way. A dollar eighty five Olavici two sixty for Mufasa Metro. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, look, I, I think Olavici might get out a little bit yeah. simply because he has drawn inside the back row and you're um, being able to highlight, if not reiterate, how good Mufasa Metro is, and he is just that. Um, so I I think that they might be a little bit closer in the market or, or indeed beyond them. Just Believes first up, he's come through some of those uh, trial races with Mufasa Metro and, you know, like a horse like Zara... I'm not saying he can win the race, but he's always that sort of horse that you don't want him to win, not be on at 20 to 1 or the like. And even Kukulain, I wouldn't give up on. It might be too tough a draw first up, but a horse has got plenty of ability. But it might be the case of the barrier draw 
being an advantage for Mufasa Metro or using it to be a, an advantage on Olavici because it, if Olavici does beat him this time, Mufasa Metro this time around, um, at least Mufasa Metro has got perhaps further improvement in him, race fitness, all that sort of stuff. But he's got to be forward enough and he's a good horse. And as you said, he is a good athlete. They both are. Um, it's just barrier draw and it's tactics. If Mufasa Metro gets a comfortable lead, um, Olavici has got to make a race of it. The advantage he might have is that race fitness. So if it's just a dawdle and a sprint home, I don't think Mufasa Metro is going to be disadvantaged. If it becomes more of a solid test, uh, I think that might suit Olavici first up. But he's got to get off the pegs. If he's driven pretty, he can finish with a rush, but it's got to be a solid tempo. So take Olavici out of the mix. Who puts that pressure to Mufasa Metro? That I'm not sure of. Nobody. Uh, I think that's the answer. And, and the one that we, you know, as I mentioned, I don't want to be disrespectful to Just Believe. If you go back through their two trials in preparation for their return to racing, um, Just Believe has been as good as Mufasa Metro. He is a really good horse. There was one night he was first up in my break and he went 58-6, so he can race well fresh. He's had a change of stables. I don't know the full story, but I reckon Lara J Farm have a good opinion of him, as you'd expect. And... Um, you know, he needs circumstances to go his way, and he's very short in the market, $4.60, when you consider the, that you've got these two really big-gun, high-profile four-year-olds. But he's the other one that can win. And I'm with you, Dan. Zaram, we've got no place price, again. But if it came up something silly, that would be the one that I'd be going straight at the drum in a race like this, potentially. You'd have to, wouldn't you? If Olavici gets either back on the pegs or has to do it tough or is just believe goes back up the start, slowly run race, doesn't get into it, uh, is Aram's the sort of horse that uh, you're driven cold can always finish off its races and again last start it, it got held up at different parts of the race and was still finishing it off had a flashing light on so I tend to agree with you um, that uh, you could very easily uh, be taken by a, um, an attractive place price uh, which could come up eight dollars and then very quickly be into 390 you know so um, I think we're gonna have to be quick on that one but uh, yeah I, look I've gone eight seven six. And I threw in um, and Zaram for fourth. But, I, look, I wasn't um, dogmatic on my tip. I could easily have gone the other way. It was just hard to work out where Olavici won't be or even at times where he will be. But he's probably got to go around them. And this might be the, the, the litmus test race for Chris Lang to just see if he can tough it out. Because Mafasa Metro probably not ready to go 150 well, he might be able to, don't get me wrong, but if he's going to go 157 uh, first up over that trip, um, you know, Olavici's got that race fitness to, to really test him and maybe make that last 100 metres or make him vulnerable in that last half a furlong. So that's probably the, the situation. But if that happens, that's where Just Believe and particularly Zaram, particularly Zaram, his chances probably improve the tougher Olavici might be driven. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I've been a little bit tricky and duplicitous there because I've said it very short the market for just believe at 460 but I marked him 450 but I bet you do that as well Dan you mark you mark what a certain price and that's the price you think they should be but in the back of your mind you're really thinking they'll come up a much a much bigger price than what you've marked them it sounds like it's a little bit complex but that's how it works sometimes isn't it 
It does, and, and I look, I try to always uh, have my markets around 100%. Now, I'll adjust them slightly. I have my own fluctuations. But as you go through different aspects of form or information, you know, you, you can adjust them slightly, particularly when it's harness and a lot relies on, on a speed map or who's going to lead or, or more so who's not going to lead and where they're going to end up in the run. So um, totally agree with you. And that's the way we try to find our value. And look, I had Olivici $2. So um, I he, he's shorter than what I think he should be drawn inside of the back line. Uh, but a lot of that revolves around Mufasa Metro because he is first up and we can get a horse that firms in significantly first up or drifts alarmingly as a result of, of being uh, first up. But in this case, um, I think uh, I had them close together, but the eight just above the seven, you were just the other way around. So it probably evens out. Seven, eight, six and four for me. We'll come back. Trying to find value in races. Three and four won't be easy, but we'll do our level best. Friday form battle. We're here for SEN Track Trot's Life back in a moment. Welcome back to the Friday form panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back to the Friday morning rave. At SEN track, apparently, according to that music, Tom Banks playing out there. Right, we'll skip through one more race in the Friday form panel. Dan Malecki and J-Bomb with you before the 11 a.m. news. Now, I'm a, I'm a little bit shocked here. Not that Major Delight's nice and short in this uh, race for the freshman fillies, Dan, but um, I know she's got, I think, two or three screws loose, but I reckon Aussie Sweet Pea is pretty good. Now, maybe not to beat Major Delight, but I thought it would have been a clear second pick and a lot shorter than it is, but it's pretty hard... I would imagine, to find a way for us to get Major Delight beaten. would think so. I've trialled well, as you would expect it, it, it would have. Um, very impressive and dominant in its two wins to date. It seems the safer way to go, but it's obviously a dollar... What is it, a dollar forty? Mm. So, um, although that... That uh, yeah, that's that's not sort of gross um, unders or anything like that. It was probably the price I expected. But a lot of the race, I think, the, it works around Aussie Sweet Pea because... She's so hard going. She does things wrong, and um, you almost expect that uh, no matter how well or or poorly she could go, she's going to do something that you're going to pick the eyes through it. Even in her trial, as impressive as it was, she wanted to run, didn't she? She mm. wanted to run and get it over and done with. But she big, strong, powerful filly. She looks like she's bulked up a bit, and there's a lot of things to like about her. And she's done so much wrong, even in her two wins. Um, but she was off the gate pretty well, and uh, she was she was good in her trial. I just wonder whether uh, racing now is uh, the advantage for Major Delight here. So that that was my my difference. Five from seven, um, finding it uh, tough to to fill in the gaps after that. Five seven. I thought Delightful Tammy went well, both runs actually, mm. and it could run a place and maybe provide a bit of value. And four MJB. So five seven two and four. Five uh, seven one and four for me. I thought the uh, the trolls from David Moles, Philly, our princess die. Um, a little bit topical at the moment. Uh, were pretty good. I'll tell you what. We have amazingly, we've got a place price here, Dan. So. Aussie Sweet Pea, this is this is a, an odd situation because she might go so hard, would do something wrong. She hangs terribly at the start of her races as well. Um, she might make a completely fatal error at some point here. But $2.50 a place, I know there's only two place dividends and one of those placings is probably already taken, but two fifty dollars a place doesn't sound too bad to me because I think she's like clear and away second pick and it sounds like you do too. Oh, no doubt. And the only one 
likely to be a winning chance to beat her if she did everything right. Yeah, oh, clearly. I think she's the way to play. All play exotics with Major Delights win and Aussie Sweet Peter runs second. Third at very worst, five, seven, one, and 4. That music suggests that the news is about to come up. So we'll take a little break here on the Friday form panel. Come back, seven races to go. The legendary Dan Malecki joining myself, Jay Bond, right here on Trot's Life on SEN Track. Day five of Breeders' Week as well, and we'll be talking to Timmy Tietrick a little bit later on. You're listening to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Well, and welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. Um, and a big congratulations to the team at Harness Racing Victoria. There was the inaugural Partner Appreciation Night at the Sandbar in Middle Park last night. Had a great evening. Uh, well done to um, Fiona Meller and to Bianca Walker and to Catherine McGowan and Andrew Perch and everyone at HRV that set it up. And uh, a big cross to Kev Taranto and Bianca Wellen who kept me out well past my bedtime. Right, race four in the program. Catch a wave. He's decided to take on the older horses again. Pole marking draw. First time in his career, he's drawn the pole. Um, sometimes, I'm sure you do the same, Dan. You, you try and find and dig and excavate for reasons why a major delight or a catch a wave won't win, but I, I, I didn't come up trumps here. No, the most professional performance I've seen him put in was last start. Uh, it was um, fantastic to watch. He came out um, like a jet from the gate, didn't he? And I, 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 he doesn't look like the sort of horse that uh, is going to slow up just because he doesn't get as good a run at them, drawn closer to the inside. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a real star. And, and it's good to see uh, that he's been able to... Well, he looked like he was concentrating. He looked like he enjoyed being a racehorse last start. Prior to that, I don't think he knew that he was supposed to be. So... Um, it's pretty scary, isn't it, really, when you think about it? Uh, this this is one race that just looked simple to work out, catch a wave, to, uh, to to be able to lead, and then you had to suss out who you thought could run second. Now, I don't think catch a wave's the sort of horse that can just go slow, not not for the yeah. last, say, 1,000 metres of a race. He, he just runs along at such a good cruising speed. It might surprise you when you see the first quarter's 29.8 and they look like they're restraining and walking, you mm. know. Um, and with that in mind, a horse that, that is sitting off the pegs could uh, could have to do it a little bit harder. I was trying to find where Mighty Flying Art might be in the run. Is there any chance he could drop in behind the leader? Is there any chance a catch a wave could just sprint up for 100 metres and the gap opens and Mighty Flying Art drops in? Or Mighty Flying Art gets some cover? Because it makes a big difference. He is clear second pick if he gets cover or is behind the leader. If he's sitting without cover, I'm not saying he can't run second, but it opens up the door for a few others. But Because um, he, he is flying mighty flying art. So, look, simply, I've tipped one, two, six, and eight. But it's all about catch a wave. I can't see a chink in his armour. It's the most modern armour, 21st century stuff, and he should be uh, winning this pretty comfortably. It's bulletproof. Um, so, I'm assuming, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, Dan, but there's... No, even, well, there's always uh, some chance, but an extremely infinitesimally small chance that um, Jack Law with Mighty Flying Art or um, John Justice with Hulin Yen or Daryl Douglas with Kaki. You know, he looks at the situation and says, you're drawing the pole, catch a wave. We're going to have a real good crack early on and, and see if we can unsettle you slightly. 
Oh, look, maybe if they want to end up in the steward's room and with the vet scoping them uh, endoscopically because they've dropped out and finished 100 metres last, sure, why not? Uh, let the people that get paid to, you know, for a living an opportunity to uh, exercise their duties with care. Um, uh, Hurley Nian's first up from a spell, and, and I think his best form anyway is probably over the shorter trip, so I think it's unlikely. And if they did, all they would try to do was get to the pegs and then just uh, take cover. I, I'm not saying everyone's conceding to catch a wave, but I think everyone's trying to uh, finish as close to him as possible, knowing that uh, they probably can't beat this, uh, this star horse from... Uh, what really is a bit of a gift barrier one. Now, I think it's a good uh, exotic race, but probably just slightly different to you, Dan. So Mighty Flying Art, yes. Uh, huge chance of running second. But the other one I have got in there, I've, I've been I've been extremely taken with those trials from all in the end. So he has clearly outpointed Bulletproof Boy on a couple of occasions at the preliminaries. We know he's a good horse. He's been a work in progress for a long time. He's had a lot of starts, but he's always um, he's always been a little bit eccentric. And I feel like the penny might have dropped this preparation. He might have to go a long, long way back from that sticky gate, I understand. But he's got a devastating push-button turn of speed when he needs it. So I'm thinking one to win. I reckon only two or five can run second, and then you can base your exotics around that. I wouldn't, I'd be able to have two trifectas here, I reckon. One to beat two and five to beat two and five. And then one to beat two and five, and then include Kaki Nui, um, Sicario, and probably Shorty's mate. The issue for Mighty Flying Hard, because uh, you want to be in the pegs, don't you, Dan? But if Shannon's the man yeah. can hold up behind the leader, does Jack Law then, because he wants to be in the pegs, go back and sit three poles? Because th- that might be the right place to be, and it might be, um, it might be a fast track to getting dragged right out of the race. I don't think it was mighty flying hard. He, he's he's a pretty hard horse to restrain, yeah. isn't he? Um, that's that's especially if nothing comes out of the gate. If nothing comes out of the gate, catch a wave. He leads comfortably, and they're more likely to just sort out very very easily. Sahara Tiger might be the first one onto the pair, or you know, like three back the inside. Yeah. So maybe we should factor him in as a bit of a chance because the pegs is going to be a couple of lengths advantage. Uh, I think even if Catch a Wave gets a good run or a, or a cheap run or even if they go at a solid tempo, they're, they're still going to come home in uh, 55 or perhaps even under. And the, the way the track's racing at the moment, depending on weather conditions on the night, Saturday night, the track is as good as I've ever seen it. They're running spectacular times, aren't they? So they're going to run those sorts of splits again. And um, Shannon's the man could come into it, logically, from that draw. I mean, his form's all right. Uh, at least they've been around decent horses, even a Mildura. Uh, yeah, you Bernie Winkle on the pegs, or your Kaki Nui on the pegs, and um, there was a run behind uh, Mighty Flying Art, um, Sicario. All those sort of horses, if they had the same run, um, they would be... Uh, you'd be surprised if they missed the place, wouldn't you? So maybe we should... Uh, Give him a bit of respect from that gate. He's $41 shot, but he could be a $1.90 the place. 100%. That's the case. Um, one, five, two, and six for me. Before we go to the next break, we'll move on to the first leg of the quaddy, Dan. I, oh, so I, I think I've made pull the other leg my best bit on the program. Uh, I had no possible conception that he'd be a dollar fifty-five. I've got to tell you, I, I, I thought he had to be better odds than that. Um, his first two wins here on Victorian soil after emigrating across the Tasman, they were good. But I thought he went, like he went to a total new level in my estimation. Sitting parked outside Captain Belisario, fifty-four eight, and only sort of fading in the in the very concluding stages. So it was a great run. But he's stepping up in grade again. I do think he'll win the race. Uh, he's not even one hundred percent guaranteed to. 
Is a dollar fifty-five right in your mind? You know, every time I looked at him, I thought, "How do they beat you?" Yeah. Or, no, I didn't necessarily start off that way, but I just thought, "Gee, you were yeah. huge last week," you know. And then a process of elimination, dropping off one horse and then another horse, and thinking, "Well, you can't win from where you are, and you're going to get the, not the best possible run." And and I kept continue to shorten him up, shorten him up, shorten him up, and thought, "Well, his run last week was huge." The only negative I can find is it was such a, a big run, it's such a tough run. Yeah. Does it flatten him to back up in seven days? And now he's got barrier one. It's not as if he's drawn barrier seven. He has to sit in the death seat again. You know he's got gate speed. You know he can run time. And let's face it, all three runs in Australia have been outstanding. And he's got a bit of a gift in barrier number one, which I think he can take, uh, I'm comfortable he can take advantage of. Um, And I think there'll be respect there from the other rivals, potentially just six on the front line if the emergency doesn't get a start. So... I was struggling to find a reason why he would get beaten. The only way I thought he could get beat is if all shook up, out sprinted him via the sprint lane. He might get the right run, and he, he's got a good turn of foot all, all shook up. When he gets the right run, it can be hard to follow, but he should be getting that run, and it might well be a peg-peg-peg race. Um, he was terrific last week. There's a bit of um, there's a bit of Tango Tara about him in there. Oh, wow, there you go. But yeah, well, I'm sure Andy Gath is hoping so. He's been... Uh, well, yeah. He hasn't been backward or forward in his estimation of pulling the other leg to this uh, to this state. But look, I think he'll win the race. I'll tell you what he wouldn't want, in my opinion. Now he's he has shown an element of early speed. He wouldn't want a scratching here and Duke of Dundee to get into the race with um, with Cosimo and Rick Rowley drawn off the second row here. I just don't think he'd want that because he's he was protected a little bit last in his uh, second win in Australian soil. He didn't begin that quickly. But there were a couple outside who got in each other's way. So I think he'll lead. I can't take a dollar fifty-five for somebody else's money, I've got to say. But I, uh, I do think he's a clear on top selection. I would have thought, there's one horse you haven't mentioned. Um, your, your best mate here, Cosimo, is at $3.60 yeah. a place. He is flying. Well, we got two. Uh, if the horses <laughs> were our friends and we were inviting them over for a, a good night out and a few drinks and and the like, there'd be two that would get invited, and that'd be Cosimo and Love and a Chevy. <laughs> yeah, so, um, Love and a Chevy's going really well. Just the gate, I, I, I was not sure where he would end up, and his chances might uh, benefit more if uh, pull the other leg didn't back up and he, he cop pressure and he got crossed at the start. So. I've definitely got Love and a Chevy as a chance without knowing how the race is going to shape up to suit him best. And, and Cosimo, obviously, he, uh, he, he runs well. He needs a solid tempo and he's often dashing home. But he is going well, isn't he, Jason? And therefore, uh, another horse with a good chance to win. It's just the race shape might work against him. If Paul the other leg is able to lead, I dare say that he could come home. You look at the quarters that he's run at every time he's been here. It was a 55-4 first mm. time. Sure he led. Um, and the next time round, it was a, what, 50, we broke 55. And then last week, again, 55. Now, if he's running that time. He ran 50, the leader, the leader, and he was sitting without cover last week over the, uh, the 2240. And that's the thing. At 2240, you can often back off. Uh, to get not necessarily a cheaper quarter, but at a steady tempo, just a bit of a breather. So if the track is fair, he could run a 55 last half again. Now, it's not impossible something to run him down, but it's nearly impossible for something to do it from five or six lengths off the speed. Yeah, well, it's, it's that old uh, phrase, isn't it? It becomes mathematically impossible. And there is a scratching already. I should, should have noticed that. So extra is out. So I just think, yeah, he, he's, he's going to win the race, I'd say. Pull the other leg, but he can pull the other leg. <laughs> 
if you want me to take a dollar fifty-five. One, twelve, eight, and ten for me. That's the first leg of the quaddy done and dusted. Another break here on the Friday form panel. Back in a moment to talk about two big group ones: the Opus Group Australasian Trotting Championship and the VHRC Caduceus Classic. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. No song for Zed Tom Bang. Okay, fair enough. I was just waiting patiently for you to do your hard work, but um, had a hard work never arrived. We're five races down, five to go in the Friday Form Panel. Dan Maliki and Javon trying to find your winners for tomorrow night or some value or some fun or some exotics or some quads or whatever we can. A couple of group ones coming up. The, the scarcity of feature racing, understanding start conditions these days, <laughs> makes these races, a race like the Australasian Trotting Championship, extremely difficult, I reckon, um, Dan. I, I don't know what to make of this. The only thing we can say here is maybe we can find some value because we haven't got a short price favourite, at least, in the second leg of the quaddy in the first of our group ones. Yeah, well, that's right. Elder Baron Zeus is the, the logical... Uh, horse draw on the front line, but he's three dollars twenty fixed on the tab at the moment. So um, that's uh, that's a backable type of price, isn't it, for for a good horse? And Maori Law, the defending champion, not just of the Inter Dominion, but of this race, is at three dollars and eighty cents. But there's plenty of others uh, where, well, two in particular. I think Elder Baron Zoo's got to be the horse to beat. If he steps away, I think there's respect for him. He could work to the front. He might not because he mightn't be quick enough away. But we know he's a good horse. He, he ticks those boxes. Is there a little query at 2,700 metres? Maybe. Brandlow Prince beat him last start off the same mark. They're off the same mark again. Um, he's drawn to maybe get past Margaret Ruth. Perhaps it's a stand start, of course. Um, but... Baltic is over the odds, surely. In the mix of the last time they met, oh. there wasn't a lot between Branlow Prince, Elderbear and Zeus and Baltica. Mm. Baltica's got further into a prep as one since then, and she's at $21. So she's definitely value. In fact, I know somebody that saw her at about $26 um, late last night. Hopefully put number five on and not number six. But um, I thought she was identified as overs. They were my three that jumped out. I, 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 I'd be... Comfortable just taking those three horses uh, in the quaddy. Um, I've tipped three, five, two, and thirteen. Mary Law. I thought it'd be pretty tough for Mary Law off that mark, but he's obviously a class horse, and uh, and he, he can stay. That's that's what is going to suit him. Adele Parisian Artiste, as the market would suggest, they've got to be good chances also. Yeah, the last horse to win off a handicap, the Australasian Trotting Championship, was Mon Bay off 25 in 2016. So it's been a while and it's a very difficult thing to do. I am I'm totally with you here. Now, I've been accused of being um, quite polygamous when it comes to my love for different horses, but I... I really like Baltica. Like, I just really, really like her. And, you know, um, Emmett and Richard Brosnan have been so... Um, they've been so patient, haven't they? I mean, she, Emma didn't start her until she was well into her career or, or, you know, about six years of age or something like that. And she's just gotten better and better. And she's getting stronger. That win last start... It really, the last 100 metres, don't worry about that. She just totally put them to bed so comfortably. It was a really, really big win. I'm with you. I marked her $9. She's 21 and 480. I feel like you could play around the edges with a couple of these. Powder Keg, I think, is going well again. I don't know whether he's ready to explode, but I don't think he's far away from it. Robbie Royale, not to win, but maybe place only because we know what a good standing start horse he is and how much he loves the long trips. But 
If we just want numbers, I am going three Elderbaron Zoos. I think you'll find a way to win. Had a quick chat with Duncan McPherson um, at that partner appreciation function last night, and I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's um, deluded about the fact that Elder Baron Zeus is faster than he is strong. But I think some of the um, some of the recent commentary around him, I, I think people are wanting to pick holes in him. But I tell you what, if his only weapon is his speed, well, he's got a lot of it anyway, hasn't he, Dan? Oh, without a doubt. Um, without a doubt. It, it's an intriguing race, isn't it? But the first 50 metres is the most important. Um, if for some reason Elderbaran Zeus, Baltica or Brandlow Prince don't step away, well, it changes our mindset. We're relying on each of those three being reliably mm. away. Um, and you mentioned some of these horses, they don't get that sort of experience and stand starts yeah. as they once used to, more so for the, for, the, for the trotters they can. But at this level, it's still a challenge with such good depth in the race. One little mistake and you go from a $4 shot to a $14 shot so or longer. So it's an intriguing race and perhaps it's a race where we need to take two quaddies. But I think the, the fact that those horses we've identified on the front line, Baltiga, Oldbaran Zeus and Brandlow Prince, um, that if they do step away, and, and look, they've been pretty good in the past. Brandlow Prince's record, Baltica's record in stand starts is excellent. Nelderbaran Zeus, as you mentioned, he's the class. He's the one more likely that could be a little bit slower away, but has the speed and the class to overcome that. I, I think it's an advantage for them being on the front row, whereas, uh, say, a, a horse like Adele or even Parisian Artiste, they're not out of it. The distance will suit Parisian Artiste, but they've shown before that they can be a little bit risky in stand start races. 100%. I've ended up with the numbers 3, 13, 9 and 5. But, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe playing a couple of staggered quaddies through that second leg is the wise way to go. This is the race everyone's looking forward to most. I believe the VHRC Caduceus Classic at Group 1 level back at Tabcourt Park. Melton, I reckon it was staged at Bendigo last year and won by Triple Eight. One thing I love now, I, I'm a big advocate for long trip racing. I, I wish we had more long trip races, Dan. But I, when it comes to these races, I prefer the short over the middle. And I'll tell you why. Because if this race was over 2,240 metres, copy that is getting the front. And that changes the complexion of the race. Here, over 1,720 metres, more wild, woolly, crazy, intriguing stuff happens. Tango, Tara, Andy Gath's already said they're going to try and hold the front. I think there's a little bit of... Um, uh, dissatisfaction over the fact that uh, uh, Torrid Satan led and handed up to Honolulu Bay last weekend. So Tango Tara will want the front. If Torrid Satan was able to find the front, I think he'd keep it. Ultimately, all of this, in my mind, plays beautifully into the wheelhouse of my top selection, one of my best of the night, Honolulu Bay. What are your thoughts? Oh, there's a lot of scenarios because there's a lot of good horses in the race. And because it's 17-20, like you said, you can factor in not necessarily the most likely scenario, but a possible scenario. We've got hard fit horses like Tango Tara, Torrid Saint from Good Gates. You don't want to give up um, what could be your advantage. It worked for Torrid Saint last start when he beat Lock and Varat. Tango Tara this time has got the sit behind him. It's amazing these two, that 14 times they've uh, clashed Tango Tara and Torrid Saint. The, the record is 9-5 in favour of Torrid Saint. But I think it's about 11 times they've finished next to each other yeah. uh, with no one splitting them. It's quite extraordinary um, how close together they are. And that very first time they clashed was in that, um, I call it the infamous race, did he or didn't he, uh, Gallop <laughs> Torrid Saint. Um, but they've gone through the classes and really there's nothing between them. We almost treat them as if they're the same. In fact, the tab should come up with some bracket system. Whenever Tango Tara and Torrid Saint run, they're the same horse because 
you know, it is so difficult to uh, pick between the two of them and they've got good barrier. Even the computer can't tell the difference. Even they, they've got them drawn barrier one here, a barrier one and two in a random barrier draw. So um, they've got to be good chances. Rock and roll do. I, I, he's a good horse and he could do anything. He, he might be way over the odds, but he just doesn't quite get it right enough at this elite level. I think he will at some stage and one day he'll shock us and we will think to ourselves, we should have known better. But... Copy that's run first up was excellent. It's exactly what you wanted to see in a in a Group One horse hitting the line. It was a stand starter. Really, he was only asked to come home the last five hundred, but it was very good. He can still improve off this run. Okay, so he's still vulnerable. He, he's not necessarily going to work to the front. There might be respect for him at twenty two hundred, like you said. At seventeen hundred, advantage Torrid Saint, greater advantage Tango Tarek. But Honolulu Bay is the horse that's hard fit, race fit. Um, even from the backline draw, which is likely to be barrier two, he follows out Torrid Saint. If Torrid Saint charges the gate, Honolulu Bay, without having to be driven right up hard on the back, he's going to get a decent run through, I think. And he, there's a chance, there is a chance that Honolulu Bay could actually be in front of Copy That by the first turn. Now, Copy That might work forward, sit without cover. Honolulu Bay could end up 1-1, one, one, maybe even one out two back. And from that position... We know how electric he is. Um, look, I'm tipping 10 from 4, 2 and 1. Uh, I wish I could have put Supreme Dominator in the mix as well. I thought he was excellent last week. Ripper race. Absolute cracker of a race. Um, and I'm not certain I've gone the right way. But, you know, Honolulu Bay, eight starts for Emma Stewart for eight wins. Last week looked like there was a half a year left, maybe a little turbo, some little button that could have been pushed late. Um, so I've got to go with him. And we've talked about devils in the past, and I'm very respectful of both uh, Beelzebub's here, but I'm going with the devil I know a little bit better in Honolulu Bay. 10, 4, 2 and 1. Well, that was one of the uh, great form orator. I've got very little to add, and we've even got exactly the same first four numbers in exactly the same order. 10, 4, 2 and 1. And it would even extend to fifth because... Your fifth and my fifth selection would be Supreme Dominator. If Tango Tara does hold the lead, then that's obviously going to be uh, playing heavily in Supreme Dominator's favour. I'll tell you one way you can tell the difference between Tango Tara and Torrid Saint. Torrid Saint always starts a lot shorter. Well, at least this preparation. He's at $4.80. Tango Tara is at $8.50. And Tango Tara is drawn inside of Torrid Saint. I think they should be a lot, lot closer in the market. Here's quickly my thoughts, because I think Dan's covered everything here. But... Honolulu Bay, I think, is at his absolute best. You, tell me whether you agree with this, Dan. I think he's absolute best distance. Even though he's a very good middle trip horse, I think 1,720 is probably his premier trip. For Honolulu Bay? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But he hasn't had that much experience at the short trip, has he? Well, he's broken. Well, uh, certainly not with Emma. No, no. He's, but oh, he did break the track record at Kilmore, though, didn't he? Yeah, and I reckon the, a couple of his... A couple of those wins as he was as he was sort of exploding onto the seam were over the short trip. And one thing I, I, I just love about him over the short, and why I think, you know, there's every chance he'll go on and win a Miracle Mile uh, next year, is the fact that I am still committed to this idea that even though he's been a little bit of a monster in front, this preparation, I still think he's a superior horse off the speed. So short course trip, yeah. off the speed, peel and roll, good tempo early with Tango Tara, Torrid Satan, copy that, all fighting for positions. I... I'm not going to declare him immoral, but I reckon he's something pretty close to. Honolulu Bay clearly on top in what is an absolute belter, pot boiler of a race, the Group 1 Caduceus Classic, sponsored by VHRC. Overcopy that over Torrid Saint and Tango Tara. But if Tango Tara leads here and they play Ducks and Drakes, 
Supreme Dominator. Neither Dan or I are leaving it out of calculations. $21 no. and $4 the drum. Because if he's buying the leader, he probably runs a play. So it's worth having some investment yeah. uh, place only, at least on Supreme Dominator, who's already been at this level, defeating Amazing Dream in a Cranbank Cup. Time for a break. We'll come back. We've got three more races to go, including another pseudo-match race coming up between Petionte and Just Hope in the Elabar Vic Bread Platinum Pace. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Well, we're trying to be Superman here. Superman of uh, form, uh, Dan Malecki and myself. You are listening to the Friday Form Panel. Very, very enjoyable to do, and I would hope to listen to when we try and find you winner, winners and value and most of the time, we get pretty close to the mark. I'll tell you what, though, uh, Dan, in this race coming up, this mayor's race, if you found Enchanted Stride earlier in the week at $7.50 and you backed her at $7.50, I encourage you to take a cold shower, make yourself a chamomile tea, uh, put on some quiet um, beach sounds and just try and relax and maybe even go down and get some blood pressure medication because I actually had her on top. I didn't back her at the $7.50, yeah. but it would be a heartbreaking process. Yeah, I'm with you. I, when I first saw I thought, oh, I've got one here. I've got one. I've got to be on Enchanted Stride here. This is her race up against the two teenagers, effectively, and Just Hope and, um, and Petty on the three-year-old fillies. And, yeah, I was actually a bit disappointed when I saw her scratch, but I hope from the connections point of view she's okay because it looked a good race for her. So there must be a decent reason why she, she's, she's not running. But I, I agree. She was, uh, she was ready to win to find a mare's race. Uh, that looked ideal for her, and that was going to be it. So um, not to be, unfortunately. No, so that leaves us with this. She's got a uh, little ulcer in the eye. She's got a little clot, unfortunately, at home. So David Moles suggested on Burning Questions yesterday, she's the unluckiest horse he's ever trained. But now we're left with that pseudo-match race that I discussed earlier now. We probably had our question marks over Petionte before the last start win. It was definitely a hell of a lot closer to the very best of what she's capable of. Um, Nathan Jack on Burning Questions again suggested that they wouldn't be aggressive at the start here. We just hope they'd go back and then probably, you know, creep forward and do something similar to the last time these two horses met. On that occasion, Petionte won. Just hope just went better without winning, if that makes sense. They're $1.70 and $2.30. I just can't get out of my mind that I think Just Hope's the better of the two horses, Dan. Maybe, but she's still early on into her prep, though, isn't she? Yeah. She's second up and is going to probably, well, she's going to have to sit outside petting on at some stage during the running, uh, whether that could make the difference. If it was the, the barrier draws the other way around, I, I, I would definitely agree with you. I'm not saying I don't agree with you, but you, know, you can make a case because petting on is hard fit. She's got the advantage of the barrier draw. She can utilise the barrier draw lead and be able to dominate the race. If it, and I don't think she's the sort of horse that can just sit up, you know, in 31 quarters mm. and then all of a sudden go 26-2 off the back because Just Hope can definitely do that. In fact, the two of them together in a straight line, well, I shouldn't say that because Petion's actually beaten Just Hope out of the gate before, but they've both got plenty of speed. Now, the trick to Petion, I think, she won those races in ugly fashion, right? And I, and I omitted to, to mention last week, it's something I picked up not long after being off air. When she won at Bendigo uh, two starts ago, it was her best win through that prep because they were she got the job done but didn't impress at Achuca, Maryborough and Geelong. They put a hood on her at Bendigo. And I and even though she only won by half a head, it made a difference. Yeah. She was 
She looked more genuine, and clearly that was the case last week because it's with the hood on as well, and you'll know it, particularly in the gallops ranks, they're more likely at times to raise another effort when a horse comes alongside yeah, of them. Yeah. So when they get in their uh, eye line, and I reckon that's what Petiont did last week. So I've, I've got a different view of her now than previous. When she was in that open bridle, she had too much to see. So I, I think that bit of gear has made the difference, and that's why she looked both sharper and stronger last week at, at Melton. And it makes sense that she'd beaten just hope the, the start before. So I'm going four from six. It's a flip of the coin that I'd probably go best out of three. And two times it came up and tails, so I'm going petty on. Um, <laughs> I respect them both greatly, greatly. Four from six, the five is flying, and the one from the draw. Not a lot of luck last week, Nikki Nana and that brutally run uh, Amaryll and Matriarch. So four, six, five, and one. Uh, I'm going four six five uh, six four five and three, and I do think um, well you could do this, couldn't you? Uh, straight trifectas here. If we're going to go two out of three for you, Dan, I'll go the other way around. But I would have, I think five will run third. Put it that way. So I'll go six to beat four to beat five for um, for two dollars, and then four to beat six to beat five because I do concede one hundred percent that Petion is going to get the advantage here in terms of the fact that she's almost certain to land in front. And yes, the last couple of starts, particularly that last one, a great indication she's headed in the right direction. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a, um, a beautiful scene for you to call because they are, both of them are striking statuesque fillies, aren't they? Oh, they are. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're high quality. Their form suggests that as well. Just thinking of one other scenario, which it's probably unlikely, but they're both fast out, pity on and just hope. If Just Hope did come out to test Petty on for the first 100, a gap might appear. Imagine Just Hope on the back of Petty on. I think I know which way you'd want to be on, but Ruby Wingate's got enough gate speed. I think Michael Bellman would be open to that as well. So that would be the trick. Um, they're probably going to single out. But, yes, they are striking. Lovely fillies. I like highlight, highlighting the quality and the, the beauty in, in some of our standard breads because we've got a greater bunch of more beautiful equine racehorses, standard breads, now than what we did 30 years ago. It's amazing the breed has got better looking. Oh, Whereas human race, I'm not sure it has. <laughs> oh, I know you, well, no comment on that one, I'll, I'll say. But definitely the standard breeds, they, you, you, they are absolutely stunning. So whatever might have been thought um, years ago, and they come in all different shapes and sizes, and you get uh, even a horse like um, Torrid Saint just love watching him race. There's just certain horses you're drawn to, and you're right, there's... Um, you know, there's more now than there was once upon a time. There was a Christian Callum once upon a time, but um, there weren't Ooh. too many around at that time. But now there's plenty. Race nine before we go for a break. Hard to know what to make of Argyle. I was waiting for the market. I marked Argyle a dollar eighty. It's a dollar seventy. I think it's definitely the one to beat. But trying to line up exactly where it sits, I'm I'm not sure. But I, I think I'm close to convinced enough that it should be handling this lot. He's a progressive horse. He, he, he's style. Uh, I chatted with Ray Green yesterday and I said, is he a rough going pacer or is he just really trying hard to win his races? And he said he, he just tries hard. And, um, and, and, and I thought, oh, well, fair enough, because he did look like he had a bit of an awkward gait there. But while he was finding at the same time, he's been beating the older horses. So he's going up through the classes. He, he's been able to lead in some races, but he's not what I would call a fast beginner, but he's got barrier one. And 
look, if he does get crossed by Gilligan's Island, I wouldn't be too put off because he's going to get an ideal run and the right sort of run. Um, I've put him on top of Gilligan's Island. I think the short trip is going to suit uh, Gilligan's Island. It won't be any three-hour tour for him, but he can run well. So the two Kiwis to fight it out. Uh, and then uh, Magic Mike and, and Monsieur Delacour. So one, three, seven, two. He's a three-year-old Argyle. He's here for the derby. Uh, and while he's quite progressive, his stable mate, I think, is clearly the, 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 the better of the two three-year-olds. Um, he's a good horse called Simply Sam, and he's running tonight in the Colin and Heather Holloway three-year-old classic. Yeah, that's going to be a belter. Um, yeah, I'm with Argyle. I, I've got a funny feeling. Look, if you're going to back Argyle, I'd say do it now because I've got this feeling that... He's going to start at all 30. I just think at some point the money will come, and once it does, that'll be the end of the penny section. Primarily because I, I do see um, a single file scenario here again. Um, Gilligan's Island, I mean, let's be clear, I don't want to be harsh, but if not for um, expectations or a little bit of a spruik at one point, there's really nothing on the board yet to suggest that Gilligan's Island has that much ability. Like, he's a good horse, obviously, but I, I think still $3.50, I think he's still being rated, and I've done the same thing in my market because you're being protective, but I think he's being rated on what might happen, potential possibilities, rather than what actually is happening. I've thrown in uh, Monsieur Delacour for third, and maybe you could back it a place at $3.10. If Argyle leads, everyone goes back. Monsieur Delacour behind the leader. They sprint home in 26 and change. It might be very hard for anything to make ground on anything here. And uh, number four, Captain Confetti, who will be on the pegs where he wants to be. The only thing is, I think everybody else yeah. will be as well. Um, let's go for another break. Come back. We've got one more race to get through. And the final segment today will be the final interview of what's been a wonderful Breeders' Week with a legend of the sport in North America called Timmy Tietrich. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736. I love that song. Absolute belter from the Chainsmokers. Right, race 10, final event at Tabcourt Park tomorrow night. I'll be out there on Trot's Vision. So too will Dan Malecki. I reckon uh, Steve Cleave might be joining us. And Josh Jenkins, I think, might be out there as well. So it's going to be an all-star cast. Now, you've teased us right from the start about something in the final event on the program, Dan. I'd like you to do the big reveal. Okay, well, unfortunately... It's not gift-wrapped. It's a little bit unders, but it could get out, and that's just as well, number two. Um, Highlighting that she was really unlucky last week in in a good race. That was in the runaway celebrity race. Um, She got dragged right back through the field, and I thought she was travelling really well at the 400. I'm not saying she would have won, but she would have been significantly closer. She would have been somewhere in the mix between about... Third and, and fifth, I, I reckon. And, and that's, that's a pretty good form line to take going into a race like this. She dropped significantly in class. She got good gate speed. You know, puppet sticks with her, which is no surprise. It's a winnable race for a mare that's got a decent enough ability. But the key is the right race, and I think it is for her. She's $2 now. Everyone might watch the replay and she could come into $1.70, could go the other way and they think, uh, you know, she's a bit of unders, a horse that doesn't win that often and she could get out to two fifty, two sixty. It's her right race. So just as well down in class. Now my top pick from a Better Exclusive, good to see going so well. Uh, Choose Reactor's going well and might be a bit of value with $13. And and over the odds as well, he, he, um, 
he, I thought he was solid last week. So two, six, three and eight for me in the last, but my best just as well. And a nine, bit hard to find that sort of value. There's a few shorties there that we agree, whether they're good things or, you know, slightly under the odds. This was the closest I could get to uh, once Enchanted Stride come out. <laughs> Yeah, nightmare. Eight, six, two, and one for me. I just think I've never seen a uh, well a second tier one metro win affair with this much gate speed off the front row. So I've just as well leads. I think it'll be very, very hard to beat. But just about every runner off the front row's got early speed and sweet creation drawn out widest is relentless at the start. I'm going with uh, over the odds. I think he is over the odds at uh, six dollars fifty, and I just think it might be a last man standing affair. So eight, six, two, and one for me. Your best is just as well. My best is Honolulu Bay, and we both agree. I think I, I like Sass Yellow at a price, but in terms of a really big value, I think we're both um, going to have something a few shekels each way on Baltica. I reckon, Dan. I think some of us have already had something <laughs> on those odds. Yep, totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, Dan. We'll let you go. And, uh, uh, and maybe Balenciago at odds. We'll let you go uh, early. Get a well catch up with, race, uh, one. with Timmy Teetry. I'll go head to head with you with Sass Yola. Look forward to working with you on Trot's Vision tomorrow night, mate. Yeah, and say hello to the Bionic Man for me. That's his nickname. He's got a good story there. So, um, yeah, all the best and good punning, Jase. There's Dan Malecki, uh, Friday form panel, done and dusted. One more interview for Breeders' Week. Timmy Teetry, the Bionic Man, in just a moment. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back to the final segment of the Friday Form Panel, which is no longer the Friday Form Panel. It is the final interview for Breeders' Week. It's been an incredible week, and we've saved the best for last. Legend of the sport on the line. I'd go through all the major races that he's won, but it would take the seven minutes we've got remaining on air. More than 12,000 career wins. Timmy Tietrich, how are you? Oh, good, man. How are you doing? I'm very good. Uh, it's been a theme of the week, uh, this connection between North America and Australia. I know you've got, well, Australasia, you've got a couple of our uh, our star drivers there, but there really is a connection now, isn't there? You've been down here and you've visited here, and I'm sure we'd love to have you back as soon as we can. But in terms of the horses, the movement, and the breeding, I guess, because we've got some of the great sons of some of the great horses that have come from North America, some of which... You've, you've partnered with, but that connection's getting closer and closer. Yeah, if you don't mind, you can take Jackson, Cardi, and Andrew back. <laughs> make my life way easier if you just take it back home. Take it back home. Um, talk about some of the uh, some of the great horses that you've driven that have gone on to be uh, great stallions, I think, because it is Breeders' Week and we're talking about breeding. Um, and this is a really weird question. There's probably no good answer for this, Timmy, but... Is there a feel that a really good horse that you feel like is going to going to go on and be a good stallion that they give you that you've got an indication of what their future might be at stud? Well, I've been so fortunate to drive some great ones. You know, Chapter 7 is on the trot. Um, Captain Chapter is great on the pace. I even drove Rock and Roll Dance. You know, there's some great horses out there. And, you know, I, I see their babies and I see their uh, attributes that I've, I've seen in their father. You know, so for me, it's uh, pretty easy to see how, how they've gone on and done great. What, what are those attributes of a great horse that's going to make a great stallion? I would imagine, obviously, you have to have the speed and the ability and the talent, but is it that will to win? Is that something that, that gets transferred onto progeny, in your opinion? Well, I, I've seen, uh, you know, how, how they ride and how they, uh, you know, do their job. But um, John Campbell says, if, if you can pick a sire 
um, good luck to you because they're going to prove you wrong. And <laughs> fortunately for me, I've had some, I've driven some great horses. And, you know, they haven't embarrassed themselves in the breeding shed, which is great for me. <laughs> so Captain Treacherous has held his own. Um, other horses have done well. Um, but yeah, it, 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 once they get the breeding shed, they got to go do their second career and try to make stuff happen. So it's hard to, to pick, um, a star off the racetrack. Now tell me this, Dan Malik, he wanted to say hello and he said, I want to say hello to the bionic man. What's that all about? Who said that? Dan Malecki, the uh, the chief race caller here. I was just doing the uh, the form with him for, oh, for, yeah, for tomorrow yeah, night, yeah, and he said, yeah, "Say good day yeah, to Timmy Teetering yeah. for me, and say good day to the Bionic Man." Yeah, why would he yeah. Why would he say that? I uh, just say hi back, right back to him. That's all you got to say. Just say hi right back to him. <laughs> um, yeah, as you mentioned, you wouldn't mind getting rid of a couple of the uh, the Australasians that have gone over there. There's there's a uh, the cacophony of McCarthy's over there. Now you've had some fun down here in the past. When are we going to get to see Timmy Tietrich come back here? Because we've had some fun. You weren't on the All Stars tour, and you would have had a fair bit of FOMO with uh, with the boys coming down there. But you've been down a couple of times. We'd love to see you again soon. Oh, what a great time I had, man. Uh, the people were so great, and they uh, they treated me like I was royalty. So I'd love to come back, and hopefully one day in the future I can come back and, you know, try to beat up on them guys again, you know. So hopefully it all works out. Now, do you do you think, before I let you go, Timmy, like we've spoken about this all week, but you've, you've driven those great horses on their, their speed races, often in America, and there's more of those here in Australia now. But can you see any reason why, um, the great sons of Sun Beach somewhere and now Captain Treacherous and that line, when they're standing at stud here, why they can't be just as good as the North Americans? Because they're the same bloodline. So I can't see why we can't, you know, get Poster Boy and these really good horses to to do the same sort of job that a Captain Treacherous is doing right now or Sun Beach. Or, or are you looking at it thinking to yourself, no, we're still a little way off? Oh, you guys got... Uh... You know, to me, a little bit, is, it's about having a good mare to breed to that great stallion, you know, but uh, when you when you breed a nice mare to a great stallion, you know, you're supposed to have a nice horse. So I see no reason why you guys can't have the success that we have over here. Timmy, it's been great catching up with you, mate. You're an absolute legend and can't wait to see you down here sooner rather than later. Appreciate your time and enjoy the rest of your week. Good time, man. Take care. There's Tim Tietrich, more than 12,000 wins. I'll go through a few. He's won the Middlelands Pace like six times at Canadian Hamiltonians. He's won the absolute lot. Breeders' crowns to the yin-yang. Legend of the game. We appreciate his time, and we appreciate everybody that joined us for Breeders' Week. I think it's been the most successful renewal so far. We've done it three times now. It'll only get bigger and better. And make sure, if you do have any queries, uh, breedersweek at gmail.com. That's still available that will be available if you've got any questions right throughout the course of the week. If you're listening to a podcast next week, that email address will be open to answer your queries. Time to say sayonara. Uh, enjoy. I'll be back on SEN on Sunday for Sale Sundays with the Peacock on track with the great Rob Popplestone. Au revoir.